We're so glad you're here to listen to this week's sermon from Park Street Church. Park Street is a historic congregation located in the heart of Boston. But more than that, we're a community of people from all different backgrounds who believe and are united by the good news that Jesus is Lord. Visit us at parkstreet.org to learn about our community. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. As we turn to this new year, it reminds me that as a culture, we love new things, whether that be the latest um, smartphones, smartwatch, latest speakers, trendy clothing, or whatever else comes out that is new or improved. We look to things that are new uh, in order to improve our quality of life by its latest updates. We also love the idea of renewing ourselves. During New Year's, many resolutions will be made for for diet and exercise. People all over our country will look for diet and exercise plans that promise supernatural results for the littlest work as possible. (laughs) Take this pill, drink that shake, and watch the pounds fall off. We also love the idea of fresh starts. Perhaps our 2022 didn't go as we had hoped for, and so we look to the new year for a fresh start. I see on social media posts all the time, especially from young people, things like, this year I'm going to care less about what others think of me and focus more on me. Or things like, I'm going to take back control of my life this year. The new year signals the beginning of a fresh start to put behind what is old and unwanted and look for something new, something fresh. Perhaps this year we want to renew ourselves spiritually, so we'll set some spiritual goals of praying more or reading through the Bible in a year, maybe growing in the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Of course, there is nothing wrong or sinful about these desires, whether that be for new gadgets, of course, that, unless that desire leads us to covet or in an insurmountable amount of debt. Nothing wrong with diet and exercise unless it turns into some sort of unhealthy view of our body. And nothing wrong with working on ourselves mentally unless we do it at the exclusion of loving our neighbor. And, of course, nothing wrong with spiritual goals unless we use them as a means to measure how spiritual and how great we are and think that we are earning favor with God through our practices. All the things we consider in the new year are symptoms of a deeper desire for wholeness. To be complete, to lack nothing in our view of ourselves and in our relationships with others, We look to the thing that we think will help us flourish in this life. And within each of us is a longing for peace, wholeness, a body that does not decay. And when these things fail in our lives, or at least are not going the way that we had planned, we look for something new or try to renew ourselves. We often look to the new year for a fresh start. Which brings up the some questions about how do we actually see ourselves? How do we measure what a flourishing life is? What are the things that we hope for? What is it in our heart's deepest desire? What are the things that we long for? Oftentimes we let our material reality supersede 
the spiritual. We become more concerned with what is on the outside than what is on the end. More concerned about the thoughts and perceptions of others than what the Lord has to say about who we are. And this morning we are going to look at what is most true about those who are in Christ Jesus, about those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because we often let our culture and our world dictate to us what is important in our life instead of the creator of life. And this morning we are going to focus on verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 5, which read, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so we're going to consider two questions this morning. What is new creation, and what does it mean for us to live as new creation? And to understand the idea of what new creation is, we must first understand what original creation was and what God's perfect and good plan was for his creation. And in Genesis 1, we see the triune God forming and inhabiting a place, earth, where he would create life. Adam and Eve, the capstone of creation, enjoyed complete communion with God. And in that world, there was no need for a priesthood that would represent man to God and God to man, because Adam and Eve lived in the full presence of God. There was no need for a holy of holies that only the high priest could go into once a year, because they lived in the most holiest place, in the Garden of Eden. They enjoyed perfect intimacy with God and with one another. And then we read about this in Genesis 2.25 when it says that they were naked and felt no shame. They were completely whole, lacking nothing in their relationship with God and with one another. They were designed for eternity, given bodies to reflect or to point to the rule and reign of God over all the earth. Bodies that would never decay. Heaven and earth were one. And oftentimes when we think about heaven and earth, we think about them as two completely separate and distinct realms. Heaven is where God lives, is full of light and his holiness, and earth is where we are, which is full of darkness and sin. However, this was not God's original intent. This was not God's creation. In the original creation, heaven and earth were one. They overlapped they were the same space. And it wasn't until Genesis 3 that a distinction comes in these two places, where Adam and Eve were removed from the Garden of Eden, from God's holy presence, because of the sin in their lives, because of the sin that had came into the world, and, and God had to bar them from his most holy place. But even with this brokenness, and the sin that has come into the world, God's desire was to be with his creation. And this is ultimately what the Bible is about, about how God's creation will come back to dwell fully with him in his presence through the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. And so throughout the Old Testament, we see promises and glimpses of what this new creation or, or, what, or God's plan to reunite with his people will be. And so we see a promise of a new creation, which we read about in Isaiah 11. And even in Genesis 3, after the fall happens, God makes a provision 
for Adam and Eve, as he says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And in the Old Testament passage in Isaiah 11, we see a picture of God's desire for his people. The world that he desires, the kingdom that he desires his people to live in. It read that there shall come forth from, the shoot, from a shoot from the stump of Jesse. And this is that Davidic king language that we talked about last Sunday. This Davidic covenant, the promise of a ruler who would come from the line of David. And it says, a branch from his root shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And then we see a picture of what his kingdom will look like one day. It says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child shall lead them. Here is a promise of a new way of life, a new kingdom that would reign on earth, a heavenly kingdom. God's desire is that heaven and earth would be one again. And so in John's gospel, he begins his gospel in chapter 1 with this idea of God launching his new creation, his new world through the person of Jesus Christ. And so John begins his gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. This is also what we celebrate on Christmas, that God is starting new creation through the person and work of Jesus Christ in our world. Heaven has come down to earth in Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is coming to earth in the person of Jesus. And Jesus announces this himself in Mark 1:14. It says Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe that God's king is here in the person of Jesus and with him comes his kingdom. The kingdom of God has returned, has broken into earth through Christ. And in Luke 4, Jesus reads from the passage of Isaiah 61, a passage about God restoring all things, where Jesus reads that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the captives. And a little later in verse 21, Jesus says that this passage has been fulfilled today in your hearing Jesus is proclaiming that he is God's king who was to come, the king from the line of David who would usher in God's kingdom back into this, into this world. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven more than anything else in all of Scripture. And this is actually how we start out our youth confirmation class, by defining this term, this idea of the kingdom of God. And what is God's kingdom? It is God's people and God's place under God's rule and blessing or under God's reign. 
And over and over again throughout the Gospels, whether it be in the parables or other places, Jesus talks about God's coming kingdom or what life is like in the kingdom of God. And in Jesus, heaven and earth begin to overlap again. Like an eclipse, we see these two realms start to come together Heaven and earth overlap in the person of Jesus Christ. He is ushered in, he has brought in the kingdom, the beginning of the kingdom of God on earth. And then when we get to Revelation 21, we see the completion of this idea. While it has begun in Jesus, it is not finished yet. And so John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And a little later he says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of the sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the lamp is the Lamb. It's Eden again. There's no need for a temple, no need for a church structure, because God's people will be in God's place and God's full presence under his full reign. And when we often think about Jesus coming and we think about salvation, often we think the point of salvation is that so we could go to heaven, that we can go to this other realm. But the point of Jesus coming and salvation is that the full kingdom would come to earth. And we already see that in Jesus' coming. God is bringing his kingdom back to earth. And we pray this every single Sunday when we pray the Lord's Prayer. When we pray, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a prayer asking for God to bring his kingdom to earth. That the reign of God that is manifested in heaven would be the reign of God that is manifested on this earth. And so new creation is a renewing, a return to God's original creation And Genesis 1 and 2, it is God's kingdom come to earth where Jesus will physically reign forever and ever. So what does it mean for us then to live as this new creation in God's new creation? And first we see who is new creation. The text reads in in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Those who are in Christ, which is those who have faith in the saving work of Jesus, who believe in the resurrection and profess him as Lord of their life. And if you are in Christ this morning, then the scriptures say that you are new creation. Why? Because the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. And you are being transformed by the power and work of the Holy Spirit for life in the new kingdom. God is at work in your life. Even when we don't feel it or sense it, God is always at work. And it says the old has passed away, the new has come. So what has passed away? The old covenant has passed away. 
We no longer need a sacrificial system or a sign of circumcision because we are under a new covenant where Christ provided an eternal sacrifice sufficient for the sins of the world and turns our heart of stone into a heart of flesh. He circumcises our heart. Or as Paul sums it up in Galatians 3, now before faith came, before Christ came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until a coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now the faith has come. We are no longer under a guardian for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We as new creation are no longer slaves and subject to the sin in our lives that removes us from the presence of God. But for those of us who are in Christ, we are free from the power of sin, from the control of sin, and we have the presence of God living in us. However, even though we are new, we still wrestle with the old. And it's not like we put on the new creation as all of you know, and all of a sudden everything instantly changes, that we no longer struggle with brokenness and sin in our life. But as new creation, as we yield to the Spirit and commune with Jesus, He does His transforming work in our lives. As Philippians, 2, or as Philippians says that, for it is God who is at work in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. And we are encouraged in Romans 12 to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so as new creation, we renew our minds. We set our minds on the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And we look to Jesus and this life to do his good and sanctifying work in our hearts. And as new creation, we are to grow more and more into the image and likeness of Jesus on this earth, submitting our lives to the Spirit's leading, becoming more like Christ and less like the evil one. But the struggle is not without its redeeming purpose in our lives. God uses the struggle for our good as we try to shed the old and live into the new. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. My old youth pastor used to say growing up that our goal in this life was for the Holy Spirit to have little to no transforming work to do in our life when we come into the kingdom of God. 
that we don't want him have to work to work overtime in our lives because we did not seek to grow in holiness in this life. And this is not about earning merit with God or about a different types of work-based salvation, but it is about our good. It's about living into what we were created for. Or as C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity, if I find in myself a desire which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. I was made for new creation. I was made for God's eternal kingdom. So what is the end result of us living and being new creation? It's our completion. It's being made whole. It's being glorified. John writes in 1 John 3, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, when God brings his kingdom, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. One day God will perfect these bodies. He will raise them up from the grave and we will be united with him and his kingdom for all eternity under his reign and rule. But what do we do now as new creation? Our passage says he gives to us, he gives to the new creation the message of reconciliation. We are to bring the reconciling work of God to our world by making our dark world lighter with the light of Christ. We are to live and try to bring more of God's kingdom into this world, to, to move the eclipse over, that where we go, we bring the light of Christ. We bring heaven to earth by living as new creation, as we live lives marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. As we seek to take care of the poor, bring equity and justice to our world, we bring the light of God's kingdom where we go. We also grow as new creation by bringing the message of God's reconciling work to the world. As Romans says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God's desire is that others would be reconciled to him as we are, and that every time somebody puts their faith in Jesus Christ, the kingdom draws a little closer. This 2023, to what people in your life do you need to bring the message of reconciliation? Who is God calling you to? Where is God calling your feet to go? To bring the kingdom, to bring the good news of the gospel that God's king has come in Jesus Christ. Secondly, as new creation, in verse 16, we don't regard our brothers and sisters in Christ from a worldly point of view but we see the good work that God is doing in them. As Jesus said to his disciples, they will know you by your love for one another. And there may be times that we disagree about things, times we may sin against one another, but we are called to forgive and love one another. Remembering 
that as we uh, will in a few minutes, as we come to the Lord's table, that you are coming with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You are coming with new creation. And God is doing the same work in each one of us that he's doing in you. And one day we all will be perfected into the image and to the likeness of the Son of God. So in closing this morning, we don't need a new year to have a fresh start. For God has already declared that you are new. You are new creation. We only need to look to Christ day after day as his mercies are new to us every morning. And we, we need not fear an aging body for one day God will resurrect these bodies and give us bodies that were made for eternal life with him. And so this morning, by what lens do you see yourself? How do you look at yourself when you hold it up to the world? Do we compare ourselves by what the world says our lives and standard of living should be, what human flourishing is, or do we look to Christ as the example and standard of what it is to flourish in this life, to be new creation? This new year, what old sin habits do we need to put away to let die with the old? And what areas of holiness do we need to grow in our lives? This new year, brothers and sisters in Christ, we won't find ourselves flourishing because we met some goal or New Year's resolution. And not that the goals and New Year's resolutions are bad. They are, they are, goals are good things to have, but they always need to be held in their proper place. And if we think that they will lead to a life of flourishing apart from Jesus and the work of the Spirit in our lives, then we will be sorely disappointed. We will flourish in this life by being satisfied by living into who? By living into who we are, new creation. The deepest truth of our identity, that we are made for life in God's eternal kingdom. So let us not look to the material world to make us new, but to what Christ has already put within us in his Holy Spirit and carry the kingdom to the world and carry the message of reconciliation, bringing more of God's kingdom and his light and life to the places that we go. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, God, we thank you that you have made us new. God, forgive us for the times that we often define and, and identify ourselves by the standards of our world and not by who you have proclaimed us to be in Christ. God, may your spirit do a great work in our lives. May we continue to grow into the image and likeness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, that when we pass away, God, when our time on earth is done, God, that we may not know the difference between the life we were living here and the life in the kingdom. God, draw near to our hearts as we draw near to you. God, put our neighbors, our coworkers, the people on our heart, Lord, who we need to carry the message of reconciliation to. 
And God, give us the boldness, the boldness that you gave to David Bliss, Lord, to proclaim your gospel, to preach the message of reconciliation, to tell the world that you have come, that God's king has come, that your kingdom is here. And God is with grateful and hopeful hearts that we look forward to the day when you will, when you will come in glory, God, and your kingdom, and you bring your kingdom to earth, Lord. Lord, may we strive and work with the Spirit in our lives. God, to prepare and be ready for that day. God, the day when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.